This program is for educational purposes. It fits within YouTube's guidelines under the context of science. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with Skip Hill, Andrew Barry. I'm Scott McNally, and we are joined again by Big Dave Smith. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You could use our code THINK for some additional savings on high quality performance and health supplements. Check them out. If you have any questions, let me know. And of course, if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca for you know, great blowout deals on top name supplements. Uh, I also, by the way, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon people. We had three new Patreon people this month, Jim, Elijah, and Caleb. You guys are freaking awesome. And I, pre I appreciate everybody who's been helping to support our programming through Patreon. We've got a bunch of listener questions, but guys, I wanted to start this out with a little segment that I'm going to call getting to know your hosts. I got some <laughs> questions for you guys. You ready? Sure. All right. This ought to be good. This yeah. one is specifically for Andrew. How do you pronounce it? Adductors or adductors? Adductors. I've heard you say adductors, you son of a bitch. That's why that question is specifically for you. <laughs> Where? Well, I, don't, I don't remember when. when. It was just like it, it rang in my head, and I was like, huh. I wonder if he always says Ohio adductors. Thing? What's that, Dave? Is that an Ohio thing? <laughs> well, you're I'm not even from, from Iowa. I'm from you're Iowa. You're thinking singular. Adductor, right? Adductor. <laughs> okay. Maybe I did. Maybe just I did one. one. Maybe it was like, you know, we, we all say random stuff, and it must have been yeah. just a random day. Maybe in my brain, you know, some because sometimes I do this where when you're talking about the adductors versus uh, abduction, yeah, I do like I think and I see the exercise first because for some reason those two slip yeah. me up even to yep. this day, 25 years later into the game. So I maybe it was like a hey, you know, like one of those types sure. of things. I get right. you. I've done it. All right, the next question. This will be for everybody, and this will prove how much of a bro you actually are. This goes for all three of you. Have you ever taken insulin at the gym? Come on. <laughs> Who hasn't? I thought this question would be hard. <laughs> yeah. Inside or in my car? <laughs> exactly. Both. Or just, I got to pull over with an insulin syringe. Let me take it one step further. Have you ever gone to give yourself a shot in the bathroom, in a stall, and you dropped the syringe on the floor? Yes. And you're not even worried about anybody seeing it. You're just like, does a five second rule count? I'm not. I'm sure. more worried about the package opening because you hear that that crinkle and ten like percent of the gym population when they hear that sound, they're like, I know what that is. Yeah, right. yeah. So Depending on the gym, this, might be might be more. What's that? I've got this little pink case, which if you notice the length, it's perfect for holding mm -hmm. yes. certain insulin injecting devices. And uh, yep. so if you see me walk into my local gym with uh, this little pink hard case, which I actually used to hold silverware that Rachel bought. I was wondering um, what it was for. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was wondering too. I use an yeah. eyeglass case. So I if do you too. see yeah. a sunglass case in my bag, I don't wear sunglasses. Yeah. I've got a couple expensive pair. I never fucking wear them because I don't like them, but that's why it's there. And I have to, I mean, Miami iron uh, has a biohazard <laughs> container on the back of the toilet because and I thought to myself, I've been to a lot of gyms over the years, and I'm like, damn, even I was like, what the fuck? But it made sense because these fucking meatheads were flushing, trying to flush their oh. syringes down the toilet, and they would have to reach in and unclog it. And he said it ended up just being safer 
for the workers and everybody involved to have a biohazard uh, yeah. container on the back of the toilet. So yeah, it's people there. Don't, don't, don't give us a bad name. Stories about like WWF wrestlers. They joke about how there's stadiums across the, the country that they used to visit where that's where they'd hide all their old syringes. So they go to the stadium, <laughs> inject their gear, and then throw it in the back of the toilet. And they said, if no one's touched the toilet 10 years later, you could have like 20 syringes from whatever WWF <laughs> wrestling show that came into town. I think the most bro thing I ever did was I would prepare my intro workout shake and then I'd prepare the insulin and I'd take a rubber band and I would combine the two. <laughs> that way it was just like one device that I took out to the car with me, you know, I made it well, easy. One time. One time I did have it like tucked in my hat, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like walking in, and I'm like, they're like, "Yo," I'm like, "Yeah, like the hat, like it's new." You did that I'm really? Like, you really did that? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh luckily it was God. Rachel, uh, it, the fiance. She, she runs our gym, so she's the one that saw it. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, I have one more, and it's not as funny, but I'm genuinely curious, Skip. Uh, what's in your gym bag? No, oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, I have to have a lot of compartments for this reason, but I mean, there's liquid chalk, there's two sets of wrist or elbow, one's for wrist, one's for elbow. And by the way, if anybody doesn't know, um, wrist, or I'm sorry, let me slow down, knee and elbow sleeves. And for anybody who doesn't know, knee sleeves are fucking elbow sleeves. They're just usually a different size. <laughs> so they're like, literally, I will take my knee sleeves and use them as elbow sleeves for triceps so uh pair of wraps and you know my water jug just typical basic shit but i gotta put you know my ear my earbuds and all that type of crap in there so i don't have a lot of gear i got my belt in there stuff i guess maybe i do oh i do have a calf pair of calf shoes because i always train calves and you got special shoes, shoes for calves train. yeah i do merrill uh vapor uh vapor gloves Okay. Because they're the Vibram bottom and they just literally wrap their trail running shoes. They just wrap your foot. It's kind of like the five toe things, yeah. but there's not five toes. It's that same bottom and they just grip the shit out of the calf platform. That way I don't have to do them in my socks. It's just kind of a courtesy for everybody. All of a sudden it was never an issue for 30 years, but now with COVID apparently they're going to catch COVID from my <laughs> sock sweat or something. I don't know. So I just get some weird looks sometimes and I don't want to, I'm at that age now where I don't care to, I don't want to piss anybody off. I need everybody to like me, I guess. I don't know. But that's, that's about it. It's basic shit that anybody else really would have in there. And, and of course a uh, sunglass container too. To hold my yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about you guys? You got anything special in your gym bags that maybe not everybody would have? Glock 19. Yeah, my man. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of going through a thing where I I have put it in the bag. I don't go to the gym a lot. I usually train at home, but I have a hard time not carrying on body. I want to. I feel like my thought is is that if I were ever forced from my car, I wouldn't be able to reach over and grab it. You know what I'm saying? So, I know this kid. Uh, uh, actually, no. You have you ever trained where Nate trains? Do you do you know Peter by chance, Andrew? He's uh, one I met those. Peter. Peter came out to dinner with us after uh, Nate got his card. Okay. Okay. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've never yeah. been, or maybe I have been to his gym once. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So Peter has. A, I, I sent you a picture. That's right. You did. That's right. Chance yeah. that he works yeah. with smaller guy will carry his uh, his uh, Glock 19X on body through like a full leg day. He can do it. He's not a he's not a big guy either. 
So. I don't like that idea personally. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I so, don't know. Just because, you know, lot. when you're gripping on the leg press and yeah. you're like squeezing, like, whoops, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, if you're in Kydex. I have a, a, a medical marijuana license and I'm not allowed to carry. Oh, oh no kidding. Really? State law. Dang. Oh, okay. Dang. But now we also know what's in your gym bag. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what they work Pound of weed. I do have one thing. You didn't say unique. I do have one thing that's unique that maybe most people would not have in their bag. What's that? And I have found it to be invaluable. And that is a can of silicone spray. Because I fucking you hate that when machines that, yeah. drag. I, yep. I It just drives me out. So I go to Home Depot and I buy four or five at a time. Sometimes I'll leave it in a gym. Then I have one in my bag because it just comes in handy if I'm doing, especially if I'm doing something uh, bilateral, like a cable side lateral both at the same time and one drags and the other one doesn't. Yeah. Bam, bam, squirt, squirt. And the, uh, the gym owner won't get pissed at you. It has to be silicone. Some people will try WD-40. And that's a that's an old thirty no. year old thing because it'll gum up the it'll fuck up the yeah the it's, it's good for cleaning yeah. it's not good for uh, for uh, what do you call it lubrication it's it's yeah. not a lubricant yeah. exactly silicone spray I'll carry a loading pin in what remember Dante used to uh, oh yeah that's that's a staple mm-hmm. and even if you can't stuff. load plates on it it's still good because how many gyms do you go to that the pins are just bent to shit and you look at it and you go they're yeah. like five bucks a piece like what i get yeah. this shit free from elite fgs i should get 20 of them for every gym i go to but they okay. must get stolen or something because they have ties and springs on them and who yeah. steals a fucking weight pen right I don't there's an area on the pin. right side of my gym where you almost have to transfer like you get to the the, the stack <laughs> and you realize it's missing and mm-hmm. like four machines share three pins yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 All right, I'm going to dive into these listener questions, guys. Uh, anybody who's watching, you got any questions, feel free to toss them in. I know we have a couple in the live feed. Um, we'll start with this one, though. This is from uh, Bass and Bodybuilding. These are from over at YouTube. Um, he says, I have a question for the next podcast. For an active competitor, do you think there's a point when an offseason becomes too long or not efficient anymore? Or the longer, the better. I mean, you guys are welcome to jump in. Absolutely, it can get too long. Well, I mean, the provided you know you're keep you're keeping your insulin sensitivity. Um, right. I guess you can stay in a progressive long term off season. But I mean, I guess it depends what the person's overall goal is. You know, if someone who doesn't doesn't compete, then I guess they're always in the off season, right? Um, yeah. Unless you know, unless they diet down for you know vacation or something like that, but. I would just say as long as you keep your insulin sensitivity and you feel like you're progressing, then I guess you can't go too long. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that, but I'm going to I'm going to throw this comment out to respond to it. I think a lot of people, if they a lot of competitors, if they didn't have to lock into a specific date for a show would be better served by starting a prep when they basically have run their off season to the point where they're just not progressing, they're plateaued, they're, they're just stable and they have made changes and it's, they're not responding very well. And then you look at it and you go, it's probably an insulin sensitivity thing. And instead of shifting gears for six to eight weeks, 
save that six to eight weeks and start the prep at that point instead of having to take the time to reset, get sensitive, potentially get a little bit leaner, drop the calories down, and then come back up again. Just go into your prep. Now, there's a bunch of different variables and, and different situations, and I understand that. And it's a very idealistic way to look at it because a lot of times, not only at the for the bigger shows and the higher level, you're locked into those dates anyway. But if you're not, it's a pretty good and relatively stress-free way to look at it and kind of keep it open-ended because if you're continuing to grow and respond, it drives – I don't want to say it drives me nuts. That's not fair. Uh, but if you're growing – I, I hate to pull someone away from an off season for a prep phase if they're just growing like crazy. The body doesn't always want to grow very easily, and if it's in that that rhythm and every and you're responding very very well, man, I try to get people sometimes to just postpone the show another you know four to six months. Let's just keep you growing, keep get that ride ride the train, get as much out of it as you can. Wouldn't would you agree that? Um really only like top three to four national level guys should be on a schedule of year to year. I agree with that. I completely right? agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Other, pros, otherwise, if you're the higher level guys. Office, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, but the other thing is too, is some people I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. Some people sure. are, uh, and I do it. I'm guilty of it. I would much rather prepare for a show, especially when I'm not chasing a pro card, everything when it's, it's more convenient in the sense that I want to be shredded like in the summertime. I don't want to diet and be ripped in December in when I was in Colorado so that I'm covered up with a snowmobile suit and, you know, don't want to train in the gym with, in a tank top because it's fucking cold. So I think those things factor in, you know, people want to come off a show or be going into a show in um, seasonal climates where they can be outside. They can go to, they want to take advantage of the fact that they're in great condition and, and that sort. So I think that plays into their timing, uh, as well. And I always encourage clients. I don't know how you guys are, but um, people who aren't chasing cards and they're just competing because they want to compete and they're a competitor and they just love it really to go more with their, like when they want to compete, when it's convenient for their schedule, you know, maybe their kids are off in the summer or maybe they're a teacher and they're off in the summer versus, you know, around the holidays or, or any other time where it, I just try to feed that convenience versus, well, you should do this show or you should do that show. I leave a lot of that up to the client. Yeah. yeah, and I think it depends on what your most important goal is relative to where you came from. So if you just got done doing a show and you're planning your year out, if the overall critique is you need much more muscle mass, it's going to take you much longer time to put that on, and you're going to need somebody to watch over you so that you don't go off the rails and confuse body fat with with muscle mass. You know, you might see the scale climb up a lot, but how much is that fat? How much is that muscle versus a competitor who got off stage? They're right there. I mean, they might need some some outer quad development, maybe some wider shoulders, and they can hop onto a national stage in no time. They're going to need less time to accomplish that goal than somebody who needs to spend a year and a half, two years putting on that size to step on stage and, and give a better package. So right. uh, I think it depends on how greedy you get as well. You know, the longer you extend those off seasons, the more apt you are to maybe stay in a cycle longer your health consequences get worse. It just, uh, how, how greedy do you want to get and yeah. go from there? Yep. Yep. Speaking of greedy, I saw someone that competed as a heavyweight at nationals at like 224, probably right around the cutoff, 224 and a half, whatever. He's 295 today. Holy cow. That's five weeks, guys. Ripped? Like shredded? 
Mm, he still had Close? some to go. No, so no. <laughs> but not peeled, not peeled and dry, emptied to the bone. Like he looked had like had like a three week outlook. He shouldn't have been up there, really. But okay, that's that's a different conversation. I just, I want to focus on the swing of seventy pounds in Whew. five weeks. How bad that is for your health. Like yeah. I don't care. Even if you were bone dry, there's just no way that that's good for your blood pressure, your mm-hmm. kidney, your heart, um, any body tissues. So yeah, yeah. You know who's doing a really good job with it right recently is uh, you know my buddy Mike Isertel. Yeah, yeah. He just moved. Yeah. Those guys, he and Charlie plan really long phases, and everything is planned. So I know both of them, I think, are going to spend about a year and a half growing. But it's all strategized. It's not haphazardly just go till we gain, you know, tons of mass. It's there's a plan for the plan for the plan. And some for some people, it's a little bit too OCD. um, But I fully expect them when they come back on stage to be exactly where they, where they plan to be. And if you're that guy, the off season length doesn't matter at all. It's because their, their specific goals are, are, uh, uh, you know, more accomplishable than most other people who are just, again, trying to put on mass for general. Uh, uh, I'll say people don't plan as well as them. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah and Mike was what second place this year at the master USA. And then uh, Charlie yeah. was, he was first call out in the uh, supers and he looked good. He just needs and a little looks, more size. Cool, but... You see like it's Mike, Charlie and Jared, three different types of genetics. So Mike needs an, a crazy long period of time to diet that off. And he yeah. struggles to get lean. Charlie is that in, in between uh, as long as he, he, I mean, those guys execute with perfection. I mean, they, they spreadsheet their uh, meal uh, adherence. Hmm. Charlie over the course of a 16 week prep, will tell you that he's eaten 98% of his meals on point, hmm. stuff hmm. like that. So when you're that detail oriented, the results just happen as they should. Uh, even Jared is on the other end. He, Jared does 12 weeks, no matter where he's at. And uh, so it goes to show you the needs are going to be different. The goals are going to be different. And Mike understands that to fix his issues on stage, because he's not the most aesthetically pleasing, it's going to take him a while to, to get to where he needs to be. I think the, the the main concern I have is that if it gets if the off season gets too long, uh, will somebody lose focus? You know, it's like if you take I, I love the idea of taking two years, but I think that I've seen some people that can't handle that. You know, they can't handle because they don't they don't have the focus to do that. You know, I've even you know sometimes you work with somebody. It's been kind of like a it's been like something I've had to adjust to where there's certain people that need to do a quicker prep because they're not going to, you know, just who they are. They're not going to hang in there for 22 weeks, whatever we're going to do with them. It has to be in a 16 week period beyond that. They might not hang with you. And it's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe this guy's not, you know, mentally cut out to be, you know, he, it's just who he is. You know what I mean? But if, if we're going to, if he's going to be his best, this is the constraint we have to work in. And I feel like the same thing goes with off seasons, like give yourself that. That's so almost like that would be, that would be in, in maybe there are, I guess the question that I could ask then Andrew, cause you were saying like maybe only the top five people should compete every year. And I totally agree with that. What about the other spectrum of people that maybe, you know, you give them two years and that first year, they're just kind of dicking around. Maybe they go in hard, they hit a cycle and then they're like, yeah, I got a year and a half to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? One, 
what I always like with say um, like your local level and maybe regional level clients, I, yeah. um, you know, they get off stage and they did well, you know, I'm like, okay, I think for you, we need to go a full year and a half. And that's typically what I like to see is, is a, um, you know, like a good year and a half before they get on stage again. So if they competed in the fall of 2021, we're not going to compete again until the spring of 2023. So it's almost like you're competing every other year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good place to be. That's, Can we all again, agree? Go ahead. I'm not I was doing just going to say that's again for just my, 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 you know, my, you know, people that are getting into the sport or people that have had some success at the local and regional level. Yeah. Um, but obviously like those people that have been, you know, top three, top five, it's like, nope, we're in the hunt, you know, unless yeah. there's something drastically that you're just missing, like a back, you know, like everything looks great from the front, but your back is just never going to get you there. Then we're going to switch focus and like, we need to spend more time uh, doing the appropriate things. But, but yeah. You need short term goals. I mean, you can't just have a long-term goal and see it from a distance. I, I can't think that way. I can't look at six months from now and say, oh, I mean, I can have grand plans, but I need something to accomplish in four, six, eight weeks hmm. to, to keep that focus in mind. And if I don't structure it like that, I fail. What I find with you, you brought up the goals and structure, um, which makes me think, reminds me of uh, with guys in particular, you know, that, you know, want to gear like all the time. I find that, you know, breaking it up into segments of, you know, your cruise periods and your blast periods, I feel like those are good benchmark times. Okay, you know, we're going to do your post-show phase and then we'll run your off-season cycle. Then we have your clean-out phase and we, do, and we do a nice cruise cycle. I feel like those are measurable kind of goal lines for people to get to each time in the step of the process to, to getting on stage for the next, uh, next time. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll jump gears here. We got a couple, well, we got a bunch more questions. Uh, hey, what's going on, guys? I'm going to take a brief moment to shout out our sponsors. I'll make it quick, but this stuff's super important because it's our sponsors that help to make this show possible. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you shopping with our sponsors, we wouldn't be here either. You can support our programming by shopping with truenutrition.com. They're our title sponsor. They've supported us for a number of years. They have awesome health and performance supplements. You can ask Skip or Dusty or Scott Stevenson all about True Nutrition and they'll tell you how good of a company they are. Hardcore bodybuilders have trusted them for over 15 years now. Use our code THINK. You'll get some savings. You'll support our programming. If you're in Canada, you can shop with supplementsource.ca. They have highly discounted supplements, discounts on bulk orders, and free shipping over $99. Check them out. And finally, you can directly support our programming on Patreon. I'll have links below for Patreon and everything else. We're taking more questions over there, and I appreciate everybody who's already helping to directly support our programming through our Patreon. All right, guys, thanks for hanging with me. Let's get back to the show. Um, still from YouTube, just tested positive for COVID in the middle of, I don't know if that's going to demonetize us, of our off of my off-season blast. Uh, I'm four weeks in. So next week I won't be training. Should I adjust the anabolics uh, for this week, or will it even matter much? Uh, I.e., just low dose test for a week. It won't matter. I think yes. I got, absolutely. I got something. What's that? Uh, go ahead. Uh, what were we gonna say, Dave? I'd say absolutely drop it because the stuff we do tends to uh, attribute to clotting. So uh, if you're on mega doses of tests or doing whatever you're doing, I mean, while you have COVID, you're, you're most susceptible to health problems. So it, go back to at least a normal amount of testosterone, you know, get, get as safe as you can while you're recovering because you don't know how that's going to impact you 
and then you're going to have to climb out of this hole for the first couple of weeks. So it, it should be an automatic deload, automatic cruise period, you know, set yourself right, get your health back and then start to creep back up. But to stay on, I think it's a huge risk. I got something. I, can, I got something to just throw in real quick because I think you guys will find this interesting. Um, Victoria found some stuff the other week, and I haven't quite put all this together yet. Check this out. Hold on you mean second. some 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 woman on YouTube? Yeah, some woman on YouTube. This is <laughs> some of our, our comments that we get for people were just <laughs> ridiculous last week. And whatever, it's incredibly entertaining. It's awesome. I love that. Well, did you read some of the comments this guy was? Yeah, they're horrible. Yeah, but I mean, I, here's the thing. I mean, I agree with you that it's a giant pain in the. What I just laugh because Victoria, you are now to that level where enough people give a shit what you say that they're gonna fuck with you. Yay! Welcome that's, to the club. It's awesome. That's a good that's way to really, look at it. Really, yeah. It, 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 there's really no other way to look at it because otherwise it just becomes this very negative yeah. and, and you get too hyper-focused on it and it becomes a fucking stress. Well, I, I just it, thought it was completely disrespectful to call someone oh, yeah. who's deep into a PhD program and sure. has dedicated what seems to be your life's work to women's hormones as some woman on YouTube, you know? Right, yeah. Like, yeah. No, well, I, I completely agree with him. Okay, so some woman on YouTube found this research. <laughs> I could get the links to it. But basically what they're finding is that antiandrogens, as it's highlighted here, are good options to combine with high-dose ivermectin due to likely enhanced response. Uh, but check this out. And she was finding this stuff, too. Here's some research showing they have said now that there are clear gender discrepancies in terms of severity in COVID-19. Males with antigenic alopecia, hair loss, baldness are at a higher risk. Users of anabolic androgenic steroids for recreational purposes are at higher risk. When I read that, I was like, you know what? Because I got really sick. I shouldn't have gotten sick. I'm like a healthy person, right? I was I was on cycle at the time. And I, it does make me wonder, you know, having been on gear, did that play a role? I don't know. But seeing this stuff just made me think because I, I, I did feel like I did kind of question that all along. Like, was there something to that? Well, I think Dave touched on it. You know, obviously the things we do with supplements are not good for, you know, hematocrit, hemoglobin, clotting factors and all that stuff. So I 100% agree with that. I guess my next question would be, which variant did you get and how severe was it? Like you, Scott, had the original one, the which OG. was much more. Yeah. And I think I had that one, too, which I didn't get. You know, mine was a, a weekend version of what you had. Um, whereas like today's version or, or whatever they call it now, the... Uh, my, the skip version because i had the, it. yeah 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 like i i don't feel like if if knowing seeing so many like my friends and clients that have had that one i don't think i would advise them if they were in the middle of a prep or in the middle of a cycle to um to to stop what they were doing um but i would you know to say that i also said hey why don't we get some blood work done to check on these specific clotting factors so i did you know have that little caveat there but my point being is that you know i think like in Scott's situation, as soon as he was feeling the way he he was, I would absolutely have been like, "Oh yeah, dude, definitely. Let's pull it back to TRT and let's rest. Let's focus." And that on would be like even regardless time. of you know, yeah, like regardless yeah. of like what the illness was. If you're feeling that crappy, you know, yeah. it's probably a good point to like you know, it's good time for a cruise. Like you're like you know, like Dave said, yeah. And, and I'm gonna agree. What the drugs do. I mean, the drugs are there to, to increase the rate of protein synthesis, increase your recovery, increase the rate of uh, glucose into glycogen, 
if you're not training super hard and you're in that that stalemate of getting better from being ill, you don't need that. I mean, all you're trying to do is maintain at that point. So you're kind of wasting what you're using anyway. Well, there's no increased need for a rapid rate of protein synthesis if you're not breaking it down. So, so let, let me chill. let me ask you this. So, like, let's say someone, you know, they, they got it and I guess they've already had it for three days when they finally tested and they're like, man, I feel fine. And let's say they're like 15 weeks out or 12 weeks out from a show or something like that. Would you think, uh, would you advise them, okay, let's cancel the show and let's cancel, you know, let's go right into like a TRT crew situation or knowing that like this is a very weak variant that they have and that they're like, I'm fine, man. I'm, I'm back in the gym three days later. No, versus, only because versus what's how happening. they feel. I mean, you, yeah. okay. just like you said, it's if they feel fine, I don't think they're at a huge risk. I think it's more based on your, your perceived rate of, of pain and suffering. Yeah. So, I mean, when I had COVID, I had the sniffles for two or three days. The worst thing that happened to me was I completely lost taste and smell for about four months. Oh. And it still it never really came back. To this no day, I, I, I struggle to get hungry some days because that sense of when you when you should be hungry and then you smell food and the the scent makes you that much hungrier because you're already there i don't have that anymore so most of my meals i have to remind myself to eat to this day and that was what november 2001 but at the time it had i been prepping for something i had the sniffles for three days and that was it yeah yeah, I can see both yeah. sides here, and I'm, I I like where Dave is coming from um, as much as I understand where Andrew's coming from. Dave is more – it's more of a precautionary thing because the things with COVID are so unpredictable and so individual to each person that we almost have to – try to be more careful because you just don't know what's going to happen yet at the same time i can see where andrew's coming from because which variant is it and everything else but we also don't know which variant is i mean i i wouldn't have known that i had it had i not tested because i just had no and i still didn't know i had it and i continued to test because i thought it, it was wrong so the other thing that needs to be um taken into consideration for this guy is i will say that if it's only for a week if you're taking tests and your blood levels are at a certain level, yeah, That's not taking cool. it probably isn't going to help or isn't going to be a negative. It's just for one week. But here's what he, the guy needs to take into consideration who asked this question. Because you haven't had it, or if you haven't had it, you don't know that you're not going to be dragging ass. Have Some people will have COVID, feel pretty good, but then the few weeks following that, they have on and off fatigue issues. So when I said I didn't have anything, I went back to the gym the next week, and everything was great. My trainer, I was like, sweet, I kicked COVID's ass. By Thursday, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I just... I, I seem to be kind of fa like fatigued. So I took a couple of days off, came back the next week, felt great again, and then got into the later part of the week and took a couple of days off. Didn't feel sick, didn't lose appetite, didn't have fever, didn't have taste, smell issues. But there was just this not it, almost like a mild lethargic yeah. feeling that took me a couple of weeks to really kind of get through. Almost like the training was bringing out and and kind of emphasizing you're i'm we're still fighting this shit a little bit even though that's, we're fighting it successfully we're fighting that's my it. life that's literally my life for the last yeah, that's, year and i think i'm figuring rough. some stuff out i'll tell you yeah. guys you know what i started because with, with the relationship to inflammation i found that when i would train i'd get if i had a good workout i'd get really fatigued the following days mm -hmm. and then i was back downhill real foggy you know had a hard time I found that what I've started doing is I'll take one milligram of BPC 
the, after a hard workout that evening, like, you know, 10 o'clock that night and 400 milligrams of ibuprofen. And it's helping between that and using L-carnitine every day. It's, I can see myself like coming out of that now. So I, I think there's, so I mean, there's you, a lot of other shit too, but. Yeah. So now you're definitely going to get demonetized because you're proposing solutions here. Yeah. <laughs> I was, was going to say, so now you're definitely going to get demonetized because you're proposing alternative solutions here, but. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Now, at least they're going to so overlook say, the steroid conversation. Yeah, true. If you get the jab, though, I, I would try to plan your cruise period around the, the shot. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because that hit me the hardest. I, I, yeah. I took the first shot, and I, I got some sort of myocarditis. For about three weeks, I was fucked up. Yeah. And when I say fucked up, I mean, at no point in the past four years of my life have I been out of shape cardio-wise. I mean, I have to be on the mats at all times. Everybody's trying to kill me because I'm the big black belt guy. So people go 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And for about three weeks after I got it, I was dead. I mean, I couldn't reach that extra level of breathing. And it felt worse than getting it. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually have a doctor's note that says, do not get the second one or else you could wind up in the hospital. And I didn't fully recover from the, the shot for two, three months. Yeah. So it was, it was a pressure that I could feel right in here. And I'm kind of glad that I wasn't doing anything at the time just because God knows what kind of interaction I could have had with whatever I was dealing with. If I did have inflammation of the heart and whatever else I was doing to my body, I mean, who knows what could have happened. So, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to we, gamble too much. We don't know what it's still we're in the early stages. We don't know what the hell is going on, what the connections are to why people have certain symptoms. It's all so unknown that if I'm going to if I'm going to err on the side of caution, I may actually just be like, fuck it. Come off for a few weeks when you go back on then cool. But you make a good point, Andrew, because if you're prior to a show and ultimately these decisions are being made by the client uh, or or should be we clients want our opinions and they want our advice as far as what we might do in that situation but it's tough i find it difficult from a um my conscience that i try not to bias the decisions they make so i try to get their opinions first i even do this with where they think their their condition is when they send me checking pictures i ask them first to get it from them so that what i say doesn't influence what they think yeah let me also preface, like, uh, whether it's COVID or any other situation, if a client says, hey, I don't want to take this, then I'm 100% sure. on board with that. Oh, yeah. Sure. No question. No sure. question. Yeah. All right. Got a cool one here. Be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, TTK, one of our uh, longtime supporters, he says, a question for the next episode. 43 years old, been training and competing for the last 26 years. His wife is a competitor too, female. I think she does, it's either physique or, or women's bodybuilding, but she's pretty jacked. Uh, since last year, I have difficulties of getting a good pump like I used to. Only when I was close to a show, I start to getting a very, I start getting a very good pump. Uh, now my weight is 255 and pump is very difficult to get. And when I get it, it's not like it used to be. He's a big dude. They're, they're, I believe they're Eastern European too. I would, I think we always go back to this. Like, how's his insulin sensitivity? Where's his body fat levels? Um, you know, is that two fifty five? Like, you know, six percent body fat, or is that two fifty five, fifteen percent body fat? That'd be my first. You know, I, that'd be the first thing I'd ask him. I'll piggyback and I'll say this. I wonder where his strength is relative to what it was before, because if your strength is up, muscular contraction is up and everything else, why is there not sustained blood flow 
um, you know, in the conversion to the byproducts when you're ripping through glycogen. So uh, are glycogen levels low? What's his diet look like? Is he, you know, more f- fat focused and less carbohydrate focused? I, I'm all, also going to extend this. It's such a, because I went over this question prior to the show, which is funny because you guys know I never fucking do that. But I was looking at it, I'm thinking to myself, he probably shouldn't rule out, and I'm not trying to reach and be melodramatic, but if, you know, and there's also the COVID issue that may, whether you had it, didn't have it, something plays into that, and maybe that is a variable that may have changed something, but something medical could very well be in there too, because he's been training so long that I would assume that he, his feedback, the feedback mechanisms and his ability to read his body's feedback, um, I'm sure he has thought and processed this and cannot figure yeah. out in the things that we're saying, he has probably, I would assume probably already thought about whether yeah. it be carbs or whether it be we're sodium, bro. Or, yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, things like that, which, you know, Hey, Hey, be could honest be. With you, maybe his sodium intake is very low. Maybe he's not fully hydrated. I mean, it could be something very rudimentary, but it also could be something that yeah. might not be. So hmm. you just, you don't, it's a tough question to answer. I'd agree with that. Knowing you, I'll go ahead, Dave. Meaning, you know, the, the foods that you're eating now and the amounts that you're eating now. I mean, I, I know I'm not an old guy by any means, but my diet and my habits are different. My ability to handle certain foods is different than what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I know my pumps aren't nearly as good because I can't handle what I used to. When I was overfed and I could supply myself with whatever I needed and just blow through it like it was nothing. I felt like a million bucks, but I'm super sensitive now. And there are just certain days where I can't eat enough to feel that good. Uh, I, I don't have that ability. I mean, Scott probably remembers me dieting on 10 to 14 ounces of meat in a sitting. And now it's six to eight. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to have the same ability. You know, I'm, I'm not cramming in 150 to 200 grams of carbs in a post-workout meal unless it's junk food. I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so... If that's not there, and especially with him being an older guy, be realistic. Are you doing now what you used to do when you were 27? Probably not. Isn't that an interesting phenomenon? Like once you hit a certain age, your appetite just completely tanks. Uh, And I didn't believe it was even possible when I was, like you said, 27 or 28 or whatever. And I would... uh, even like in my young thirties, I'd be like traveling around with like John Meadows and watching him eat. And he would like, I'd eat like two or three meals to his one. And I'm like, how are you still so jacked and vascular and you get your pumps and everything. And, and here I am on the other end, uh, on the other side of, I guess called an enlightening or whatever. And I I struggle to put down, you know, six, seven ounces of meal uh, of protein for a meal and carbs. It's like, shit, like I don't even want to eat them. You know, when, when Phil and I met when we were like, what, I think Phil was a few years old. I was 20 years old. I was hanging out with Phil Viz. And if you guys remember a guy named Mo Elbasoni from back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The three of us went to a Chinese restaurant and we ate all the chicken. (laughs) All of it. I mean, the buffet. They had three different types. And we reached a certain point where the lady just goes, no, no more. And (laughs) we want more. And to even think that that's possible now, it's just like, like, yeah. like thinking about it, I want to vomit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a huge change. Even him, he's he's having digestive issues now with age. You know, I, yep. partly probably because he overfed himself. But too, it's like just your body changes. So you and you yeah. and 
it's not just your digestion, it's your ability to absorb those nutrients too. So sure. it might blow through you, but your gut's pretty damn complicated and we don't know everything about that. So yeah. to get into the hows and whys of why that food is being able to be processed or not, it's it's pretty intricate. So it's it's a big yeah. question mark. Mm -hmm. yeah. all right. So basically, I guess what our advice would be to this gentleman would maybe look on the medical side if he's already checked all the boxes of, you know, insulin sensitivity, where's your body weight, all that kind of stuff that we mentioned, probably should maybe go and get uh, talk to a doctor, maybe, you know, get get the full body scan, you know? Yeah, because we could probably guess sodium is covered, fluid is covered, you know, it sounds like he's probably blood incurred. glucose levels, yeah. things like that. Yeah, I yeah, yeah I, I would assume, but maybe not. I mean, you yeah. never if know. If not, but... try those things first. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Speaking of foods, a uh, question about food in general: How do you decide what makes food shit junk food and what makes clean bodybuilding food? The terms get used so freely in bodybuilding discussions: clean food, clean diet. So I would like. Uh, what you would call a clean diet and what a shit junk food uh, diet is. Can I just say before anybody answers this, I really like that the questions are so all over and different compared to what they used to be. They just seem mm -hmm. more unique and more like, instead of how much trend do I take? <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I just take a trend only cycle for 42 weeks? It's really <laughs> nice to have a different, different i cover all of that guys go watch drugs and stuff with me yeah, I was gonna say, scott does that on drugs and stuff. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've got an outlet cost. we've got an outlet for that dave what do you so think what about qualifies as clean food? yeah run with it dave is the food name what it is meaning the fewer the ingredients the cleaner that it, you know it's going to mm -hmm. be i mean a rice cake at most is going to have a few grams of extra sugar to it so that's pretty clean a potato is a potato, but once you start to add ingredients and process it and make it, you know, uh, so so quickly digestible that it blows through you, that's when you begin to run into what can be considered dirty. So your your kids' cereals post workout, they're going to be dirtier naturally than your pure jasmine rice and sweet potatoes. Uh, I think it be, it can be as simple as that. And even when you're giving basic advice to a beginner. That can be half the battle in getting somebody to lose weight. It's like, yeah. take a look at the, the foods that you're eating. Are they actual foods or are they food products? Right. You know, do you eat pasta and breads and cereals or are you eating a potato? Are you eating a piece of meat? Uh, you know, it's as basic. When, when, when somebody switches that alone, that could be the first half of their weight loss. Mm hmm. Well, you want the most nutrition out of the food that you're putting in your body. So the more, um, and this is my explanation, the more micronutrients you can get out of the calories that you're putting in, uh, process is a good example because as soon as you process it, you pull out those micronutrients anyway. But then I, you know, and I don't want to get on this, uh, this topic and kind of segue to GI and everything else, but uh, I don't give it as much credibility as I used to. But I still think it's important from a... Um, you know, from a blood sugar level too. So, you know, I prefer, and I don't consider this and I don't expect my clients to consider this, but I do consider cleaner foods too, to be, um, more, more orga organic and things like that. So not even just to take into consideration micronutrients, but things that would be going into your meat. And, you know, as an example, I think I will not eat, well, I don't eat pepperoni ever because I think it's the grossest thing on the planet, 
But when it comes to chicken, I don't want to eat grain-fed chicken. And it's one of the reasons that I don't like clients to eat pork. And and it's funny because when I was first asked that question about pork, they're like, lean pork, this is nutrition. I'm like, it is, but it's a filthy animal at the risk of sounding, pulling a line from Pulp, pulp Fiction. But it's it's just a grain. I don't like the grain-fed component of it. And, you know, I, funny enough, it was John Meadows at first who was more into or, or got into the um, – grass-fed, you know, butters and things like that. And at first I kind of scoffed at it and thought, eh, such a minor thing. It's probably not important from a gain standpoint. But from a health standpoint alone, it is better. And it may not be dramatically better, but it's better. So if you can afford to eat better and have better nutrients and put cleaner foods in you, uh, you know, our country is guilty of allowing things into our food and our drink that other countries aren't. And being from the United States, I didn't really know <laughs> all the shit that our, our country allows to be in food. So there are other countries who are like, oh my God, like all this shit is banned. And you think, oh, that's terrible. We have some shit in our food that probably uh, has no fucking business being in our food. So that's another part of clean too. But let me go back real quick to the process. There is a place, I believe, because of skip loading and things like that, but I do think that processed food can play a very important vital, uh, be a very important and vital component of progress for a bodybuilder if it is used infrequently and it is timed well. And post-workout is a good example of that. I will say, though, for the record, for those who may not know or they haven't worked with me in a long time, my skip loading is <clears throat> dramatically different than it used to be, say, even just eight, ten years ago. It's much cleaner. It's more focused on meals, things like that, where... You guys probably know before that it was, I don't want to say no holds barred, but if you ate a bag of gummy bears, I mean, from a condition standpoint, it still did the same thing. From a health standpoint, it's probably not the best way to go at it. So I have shifted gears a little bit to keep it just as effective from a progress standpoint, but better from a health standpoint. Yeah, and even what you just said about the uh, quality of your foods, People like to argue that there's no difference, but tell me why grass-fed beef tastes different. Tell me why yeah. uh, you go to a farm and you get an egg and it's that orange yolk versus the one from Walmart that's got that bright yellow. Tell me right. why they taste different when you when you cook an egg on the, on the skillet and you put it in your mouth and that yolk pops in your mouth. It's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. So... And the right fat there. is different as well. You know, the makeup of the fat is different too. And again, it's not dramatically different. Or you can even look, I mean, look at the size of the of a breast when it's grain fed. Of course, they're going to feed it grain because they're basically fattening it up. I mean, you got to trim the shit out of that chicken sure. to get it to where it's lean. And then it's still that white, almost kind of a marbled chicken breast versus say we had um, in Colorado, um, Redbird chicken and they were tiny breasts and they were fucking expensive, but it was really good. It had a good color. You knew, look at you just put them next to each other and you're like, yeah, that's the difference right there. That's why I'm paying more for that. Yeah. I can't eat the cheap stuff anymore. I did it for years and years, but I, I like, I can't even stomach it anymore. I know there's a lot of our listeners are the same way. You know, the real cheap chicken breast, it, there's just something not right about it anymore. Well, it's tough as shit. You bite into yeah. it. And you're like, it's fibrous. It's it's yeah. what the fuck am I eating? Rubber? Like because it's got all those growth factors. 
<laughs> yeah, you can get more gear. If you're low on money, you could just take that. You could eat that chicken and get plenty of gear out of it. <laughs> well, plus, they inject it with like the sodium uh, solution to bulk it mm -hmm. up. So when you go and pay for it, you know, you see two ninety nine a pound for chicken, but you're paying fifty percent for water. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, listen, that's that's the majority of the questions that we got here, guys. Uh, I'm going to put this out to anybody who's still watching. I know we had some like last five minute crew around here. If anybody's still watching, if you're watching YouTube right now, leave us some questions for the next episode. We'd be happy to tackle them. Any topic ideas that you guys have, throw them out there. We'd be uh, we'd be happy. I do to want dive you. To, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking us. I totally interrupt. I thought you were asking me. I'm like, please keep that question about the ferritin because I thought it was a good question. Let's come back to that I did too, next show. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll hold on to that one then. Um, Check out our sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Uh, go to supplementsource.ca. Uh, you can reach out to Skip at teamskip.com. Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry right there <laughs> at bodyberry.com. Uh, reach out to Dave over, over on Instagram. I'll have uh, – yeah, I just have to point up for that. Reach out to Dave over on Instagram. I'll have his, uh, his Instagram handle down below. And I'm at McNallyDiets at Gmail, guys. We appreciate you. And, listen, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Thanks, guys.